This week's episode of the Nerd Vernacular is brought to you by... Wacky Walter White's Winter White Walker World. Wacky Walter White's Winter White Walker World. Winter is coming? You're goddamn right. This Wednesday, buy two White Walkers, get a bag of blue sky for free. Wacky Walter White's Winter White Walker World. Wacky Walter White's Winter White Walker World. Wednesday! It's Wednesday, April 27th, and you're listening to the Nerd Vernacular, the official podcast of the Every Geek. On this week's show, we have the world's shittiest renaissance man, Finley. If any more words come pouring out of this podcast, I'm going to eat every fucking chicken in this room. The pig whisperer, Pip. And I'm his friend, Jesus. And I'm getting plastered. What's in the vernacular this week, Finley? The new X-Men Age of Apocalypse trailer came out this week. Yes, Olivia Munn. Yeah, it, just, it looks, That's it, I'm done, just right there. Olivia Munn aside, holy fucking shit. Yeah, it, it, it looks wonderful. It I'm does. actually really excited for an X-Men movie in the first time forever. Even though the last couple have been, I mean, let's be honest, pretty good, I'm still always instantly hesitant and skeptical of new X-Men movies. Well, I mean, you got to think about the caliber of actors that they've got involved in this one. I mean, they've always had great actors, you know, from Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Yeah, which were in X-Men 3, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were there for the paycheck for that one. The difference is they've got, uh, what's her name? Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, duh, uh, duh. Sophie Turner. Yeah, Sophie Turner. Uh, they've got Sophie Turner. She is she's really shaping up to be a phenomenal actress. And then they've got, uh, of course, Olivia Munn. They've also got Jay Law, Jennifer Lawrence coming yes, back as Mystique. Yeah, J- Jennifer Lawrence, uh, James McAvoy. I mean, they've got they've got a good uh, good group of actors. And Brian Singer is directing it. There hasn't been a bad X Men movie directed by Brian Singer yet. The only thing fingers crossed. Not the only thing that I'm not quite happy about is. Uh, apocalypse isn't quite pocketlipsy enough for me. Well, I mean, you got to think about what what can translate to the screen and what we grew up with with the animated television show. You can't really have duck lips apocalypse walking around. But Archangel is apparently going to be a thing. Yes, in this movie. Uh, that goes back to retconning the huge mistake that was X Men Three. That's the beauty of Days of Future Past. Yeah, I know, I know that. It's like, hey, we fucked up. Go back, go back. <laughs> so the. Judging from the trailer, the four horsemen are uh, Olivia Munn playing Psylocke, and then Storm, Storm, Magneto, and Archangel. Just Angel is what he's tagged as. He's not. Okay. He's not hailed as Archangel. But to me, the casting of Apocalypse, Poe Dameron. I, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I didn't catch that until you mentioned it uh, to yeah. me. And and this trailer, they did the voice modulation that we again we grew up with with. X-Men the Animated Series in the 90s trailers passed we didn't hear that and I was a little concerned it's like is he just going to have this normal voice throughout the whole film and then it starts starts changing and it gets deeper and there's that that little bit of I wouldn't say digitization but they they definitely brought down the uh, the, the sound of his voice um, he sounded like Apocalypse he looks like Apocalypse he sounds like Apocalypse I'm, I'm good with this so he's the only superhero or villain in existence to ever be auto-tuned <laughs> Banshee eh, well, yeah. okay I'll give you that one and if you want to get technical sound wave from Transformers but yeah because well, that's all he was was auto-tuned yeah that's true <laughs> you know it was Frank Welker who did that voice really yep yeah, uh, he actually came back for that that one Transformers movie where they had Soundwave. They did not modulate his voice for the film. 
Are you, are you talking about one of those horrible Transformer movies? Yes. Again, Michael Bay. I I can't remember if it was the second or the third one. I believe it was the third one. But yeah, yeah. There's there's this scene where you see the satellite uh, floating around in space, and that's Soundwave, and you hear him say Decepticons or something to that extent. And it was, I mean, it's distinctly Frank Welker. But we got a little off topic. Um, bouncing from uh, X Men to Transformers. That's all and right. I could continue on the whole Michael bad Michael Bay movie thing and bring up Ninja Turtles and all that. For me, there is only one Transformers movie that has ever been made, and it was made in the 1980s, and it was animated, and it was really good. And spoiler alert, Optimus Prime dies. What? <laughs> 20 years, man. 20 years. 20, Too soon, man. 25, no, excuse me, almost 30 years at this point. Yeah, very Step nice. up your game, man. 20, 28 years ago, very I believe. Heavy. I mean, you want to talk about a movie that had a voice cast. Fucking Orson Welles. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Okay. Robert Stack. Yeah, sure enough. I'm. It was a little before my time, so. <laughs> you you've you seen old it, sons of bitches. <laughs> you've seen it, though, I assume. I have, but I was a child. And okay. I so were it, so. we, but yeah, we remember I, that shit. <laughs> I saw that shit in the theater. <laughs> you old sons of bitches. <laughs> Well, but, you got to remember, the first movie I ever saw in the theater was E.T. Granted, my, I was two, saw it in the theater. Mine was uh, The Land Before Time, and I bawled. Bawled. Littlefoot's mom, no. Oh, God. It wasn't even in the movie. Like I, I went to the bathroom with my dad, and I just start crying, Littlefoot's mom, oh, no. <laughs> Spike was my man, though. Spike was that shit, man. Come on. <laughs> Spike was high. Spike, Spike was that motherfucker. well speaking of new franchises and or well not existing franchises and all that and the changes they're making to it and all that how do you feel about pearl mackie i don't know what to feel about pearl mackie yeah she's new and i don't really have a problem with new you know i i I like untested actors being given a shot for those who are not quite up with us uh this is the announcement this week uh, of the new companion on doctor who yes the new claro replacement honestly i don't i don't mind her as an actress like from what i saw from the new little release they did she seemed like she did the job well she did the acting well the problem is it seems like she's trying to be that kind of millennial that's like throwing out like memes and shit like that while they're memes you mean, yeah. you mean memes i'll fight you memes. i will come over this table and it will be the end of you i'm not gonna lie when i first saw that word i thought it was memes uh, uh and and whenever i saw it written across the internet all i heard was beaker going you know that's that's just what i saw but that's funny <laughs> mem well, isn't say it goddamn right yeah it's it's memes that's what i said you said Mems. Oh, I did say Mems. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't care. I don't care. The internet will ridicule me anyway. Yep. <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> I say Mems just like I say Epitome. <laughs> oh, see, now now I'm getting, like, fingernails on the chalkboard feeling. Instead of epitome. <laughs> I, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, because I can into English. <laughs> Speaking of English, uh, it was during an English Premier League soccer match that the new Doctor Who companion. Was. That's one hell of a way to get people to watch, though. You know, well, in, at, at least in England, Twitter kind of blew up because all of the Doctor Who fans and all of the English Premier League football fans were using the same hashtags, and uh. all of the all of the Doctor Who fans were complaining about having to watch soccer. 
and all of the soccer fans were complaining about Doctor Who fans all up in their hashtags. It's a good thing that they didn't meet on the streets because there would have been knife fights. That's not... Do you remember the that's not a knife yeah. uh, hashtag that went through Twitter? No. Um, I forgot how it started. It was during a match. Um, I think... I want to say Spain. I might be wrong on that. I don't know. I don't watch a whole awful lot of soccer. But someone posted a photo of them with a knife talking to the opposing team saying pretty much, you know, I'll fucking cut you. And someone posted back and they were just holding a ladle and it's like, that's not a knife. <laughs> and it took off and people just started posting, that's not a knife. Just With anything in, that happens to not be a knife. Wearing their team gear. With anything, like there was one dude holding a TV, like one of the old CRT <laughs> monitors, um, somebody with a tuba, you know, things like that, and just, that's not a knife. I sat there and scrolled through Twitter and died laughing at that hashtag. I don't know, I, I went to a pretty rough high school, I've seen violence done with a tuba, it's not pretty. I, <laughs> I was with you until you said, with a tuba. Yeah. That's where you lost me. Considering yeah. the high school you went to. Everybody that went to went to that particular high school, bleep deep, it with you is now dead and buried. So don't worry about it. No, there, there's still a few of us kicking. But anyways, and speaking of people we may or may not like on the big screen and how much we, you know, speaking of nails on a chalkboard. Or people this is that for you me. want to cut right now. And people that I want to cut right now is the name Kevin Hart. Oh, has he been confirmed as well? Yes, The Rock and Kevin Hart. I can give forgive The Rock because he did do a serious, more serious role in Journey to the Center of the Earth and things like that. Fuck Kevin Hart. And this is going on the internet where he can hear that. Well, you know, when they, when they first announced The Rock, I was hesitant. But I was far more accepting than when they said The Rock and Kevin Hart. Exactly, yeah. because that means it's just going to they're going to take Jumanji and turn it into some sort of like screwball buddy cop movie. Exactly. If you want to do that, that's fine. Do your own, do your own well, movie I've, and I've, put it out in theaters. That's fine. I don't care. Do not touch a Robin Williams classic based on a book that won a Cattle Cop medal. Well, yes. I I when I came up it was, you know, Robin Williams and I all of you know here, I am a massive, massive Robin Williams fan. Everything he's done is just tainted rose-colored from my adoration for her. Do not touch a Robin Williams movie and put Kevin Hart in it. If that's the case, you might as well go get that fucker that played Paul Blart, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, I can't remember that guy's name. Scrody McBoogerballs. Yes, him. And have him do the voice of Genie in, Ala in an Aladdin remake. And I'm his friend Genie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm his friend Genie. <laughs> and that right there is when I go to Hollywood and firebomb places. <laughs> <laughs> because don't fuck with Robin Williams movies. Do not. I will not be going to see this movie. I don't care if you guys go see it. Come back and tell me an angel came down and touched your junk during the showing. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> That is how I feel about that. How did you know how I met my wife? <laughs> well, I mean, your pension for dark theaters. And... I mean, you know. <laughs> but it worked out well for you, so that's fine. Very. <laughs> Speaking of things uh, working out well. Stop. Wait. Reverse that. Speaking of things not working out well. Let's talk about the uh, PAX East convention that oh. occurred this past week. Dear Lord. Honestly... Compared to previous ones, and, you know, I didn't attend, obviously, because I'm, you know, here and not rich enough to travel. Uh, it seemed really 
kind of uneventful. Like the whole big thing was just Overwatch and Battleborn. Yeah, and yeah. and a bunch of VR demos. And... Bunch of well, VR demos. Well, there there was uh, a panel discussion with Duncan Jones, and he's the director of the Warcraft film. Yeah, there were yeah. a couple things about Warcraft yeah. that came out. Um, you know, you actually find out why he he took over. Uh, took over for Sam Raimi, and the biggest reason was because Blizzard had a huge problem with the script that he wrote. Uh, Jones goes on to tell everyone that while the script was very, very good, uh, it painted the humans as entirely good, and orcs and anything non-human is inherently evil. So, you know, there was that problem, and... uh, Whereas in the game, it's no definitive good or evil. It's just... Horde versus Alliance, you know. Yeah. You know, it's... Tolkien versus George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin, there's no clear-cut good or evil, even amongst the humans. You know, yeah. Um, For better or worse, we will be reviewing that movie when it comes out in a couple of months. <laughs> I know, but trust me, <laughs> there's nothing else that week. Um, okay. You know, the latest trailer that they put out for that film actually looked pretty good. The first trailer was abysmal. Yeah. Um, they they took like the worst takes possible. To make that first trailer. The next one was... The next one actually would put my butt in a seat. Or at least have it on my next in my Netflix queue. See, the thing... My whole thing is I don't have that much of a draw to it. Because I'm not a Warcraft player. I, like, I, I played the free demo they put out a while... Uh, like, ten years ago. <laughs> that you could get to level ten. Yeah. And I'm like, this is way too cartoony. My I'm wife, done. My wife maxed out her character levels before we met. Nice. She stopped playing Warcraft about three months before we met. And that's what she did. I mean, she had very high-level characters. She spent money on the game and in the game. You know, and so she's kind of on the fence about it. I would like to say that I say it's too cartoony and all that when currently I have 148 days playtime in Final Fantasy XIV <laughs> with a number of maxed out classes, and I've spent more money than God on that fucking game. I spent 30 bucks on a mount. Wow. Yeah. wow. On Odin's horse, Slifnir. Uh, an interesting thing about Jones is that he has very few directorial credits. He has a film from a short film from 2002, another film from 2009, and his first actual big release was Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal. Never actually seen that one. I, I'm noticing a trend. It seems like every other movie I go to look up when I'm doing research for the show or whatever, it seems like lately every other project I look up, it's one person whose name you can recognize, and then literally everyone else is completely... Oh, you mean like Power Rangers we talked about last week? Yes. <laughs> but it, That's, it, that's yeah. not a bad thing, though. You're giving new talent an opportunity to prove themselves. And rock on. Some of them are proving amazing. Yeah. And yeah. you're seeing new directors rise to the challenge, new actors coming to, and rising up. And it's a beautiful thing. We're seeing this kind of paradigm shift from these old established actors... Like Harrison Ford's looking to move out of movies, even though uh, Blade Runner sequel that he's been slated for. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, speaking, Harrison Ford's a great example. When the original Star Wars came out, no one really knew much about Carrie Fisher. Nobody knew a whole lot about Harrison Ford. Nobody really knew Mark Hamill. But it had Peter Cushing. It had um, Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, thank you. Um, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. You know, it, it had people with chops and gravitas. And even though George Lucas had only done 
two movies prior to that. Yeah, TH, uh, uh, THX 138 and... Uh, and American Graffiti. Yeah, American Graffiti. It was Lucas's own story. And these days, you know, we're looking at these projects full of unknown people, unknown directors, mostly unknown actors, and it's not original stories. It's it's licensed properties or rehashes of old things. And I don't know. I, I've, I'm totally great with projects where, yeah, it's a whole bunch of unknown people, but it's a new, fresh, original story. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm willing to give it all a shot, but I'll be wary at the same time because of the abysmal things that have come from Hollywood with unnamed directors and unnamed cast and things like that. Speaking of abysmal things, bringing it back to PAX East, um, Confunk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, who was... Who was giving out deodorant? Twitch. Twitch was giving out deodorant. And you know what? It's about goddamn time somebody fucking did that. Uh, I have been to dozens and dozens of cons, and there's always one rank-ass patch of human in one area. And and it just accumulates and, like, wafts through the con. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like there are – it's becoming such a problem now, at least in in comic book stores, that there are stores saying you cannot play Yu-Gi-Oh! or whatever card game that you're going to play without washing your ass before you enter. I actually uh, know someone who shall remain nameless, plays in tournaments for Magic Gathering, that purposely does not bathe before or during – large Magic the Gathering tournaments because he views rankness as a weapon. <laughs> Why are you going to talk about Viz like that on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but, and like, one of the, I went, the first con I ever went to was Otacon. The oh, anime convention in I can Baltimore. only imagine. 75,000 people in this that can... Most of them were fine. I will. I will admit that most of them were fine. I mean, when I go out, I'm clean. I'm. I have name brand deodorant on. You'll, name you'll, brand. You wash your ass. You wash. I wash my ass. But especially like over the course of the day, you could smell it in the building. Because I'd like step outside, get a breath of fresh air, and then walk in, and it would be worse than when I did it two hours ago. And I've I've been in that convention center for several comic book conventions, and it's a small room. For 75,000 people. The conventions I went to had maybe... Well, did you use both buildings or one building? We used both. Okay, good. Yeah, we used both too. And, I mean, it was small for the thirty-five to 45,000 people we had for hours. I can only imagine what it was for 75,000. The thing that gets me is that for every convention I've ever been to, I've stayed in a hotel, either the hotel, quote-unquote, for the convention, or one in the immediate (laughs) area. And every single one of them, without fail, has a phenomenally nice bathroom with really good water pressure and a nice deep tub if you feel like taking an actual bath instead of just a shower. And it's a pleasant experience to perform your ablutions in these places. <laughs> and, and a lot of them have a really, really good smelling soap. And yeah. I'm thinking about specifically the Weston in Charlotte. They have this Yeah, they um, really do have really good smell. It's like this, this cucumber-esque smell to it. It's fantastic. I took several bars of it home. Yeah. <laughs> Which you'd think, you know, with 75,000 people, there would be more than one bar of soap to go around. You would think. But the worst part of it all, from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m., a rave opened. Oh, sweet Christ. And you walked into this room, and 
from the other building, you've been in that convention center, the Baltimore yeah. Convention yeah. Center. From the other building, you can feel the floor. Because for some reason, they were bright and did it on the fourth floor. So if they go down, they're taking everybody else with them. <laughs> but you can feel the floor shaking the entire time. And as you get closer, you can smell it coming towards you. Just that B.O. of people. And you figure you've got people dressing as Naruto characters, as Bleach characters, all that. You know, long robes, heavy hoodies, things like that. Yeah, 5,000 furries spun on Disco Biscuits. Yes, fursuits, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> These people are sweating badly because they're now jumping around. They're moving. They're going. And the rave itself is bad enough. But then you go into the hardcore room over on the side and that one punches you in the face like a wall. Like just the second you walk in, it's just and you're done. You're like, no, I'm not staying in here. The the worst I have ever experienced. I went to MegaCon in Orlando, Florida, a number of years ago, and this is nothing against the show promoters. They, you know, they were lovely, lovely people, very accommodating to the people who attended the show. But it was a comic book slash anime convention. So you've got comic book nerds, anime nerds, social awkwardness all around, and people sitting on the floor and just letting their 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 nut, their nut funk, <laughs> their nut funk <laughs> permeate the atmosphere. I mean, it was bad enough that I heard overheard Brent Spiner say something about it. You know, when you're fucking offending Data's nostrils, there's something wrong. Yeah, these people could kill a yak from 15 feet away <laughs> using nothing but their ball funk. That's telekinesis, Kyle. <laughs> This week's episode of the Nerd Vernacular is brought to you by... Bronze Lambskin Preventatives. Nothing gets you in the mood for a fuck like a fight. And you wouldn't go into battle without armor, so why would you get into bed without armor? Taste the Donishman's wife safely with Bronze Lambskin Preventatives. Don't let the bad pussy bite with Bronze Lambskin Preventatives. Alright, and we're back, and my recently conquested robot is now delubed. So, Pip, what have you been geeking out on this week? I have been geeking out on the same thing that most people have been geeking out on, Game of Thrones. Now, at this point, I want to put a disclaimer up. If you have not seen the first episode of Season 6, please pause this podcast and then come back after you've watched it because we are going to go into detail about it. We're going to spoil the fuck about this. Yep, this bitch going to be spoiled. We're also going to be engaging in speculation about what's going to be happening for future episodes. So yes. if you own stock in Reynolds Wrap or anyone that produces tinfoil... Go ahead and make a hat. Yeah, now. go ahead and make a hat. Go ahead and make a hat out of tinfoil. It's going to be uh, tinfoily goodness. So... uh Get ready to pause in three, two, one. Spoilers. And oh. if for all of you who stayed around, fuck you. Now stop. <laughs> you guys are not kneelers. Okay, so season one, uh, season six, episode one starts off with the dead body of Jon Snow, mm-hmm. and I thought seemingly of, like ten seconds after the ten end of seconds, season five. Uh, yeah, ten seconds, a couple of minutes, maybe even an hour or two. We don't know. Um, well, it, what, it didn't look like the blood splatter had spread that awful much since. In, interesting thing that you mentioned about the blood splatter. Here goes the tinfoil, folks. If you noticed, there were two channels of blood. Mm-hmm. One to his uh, to his left, 
another one to his left going up a little further, and then John's head. May not be anything, it may just be how they, they filmed the scene, but the, uh, the, the speculator in me is saying that may be an allusion to John's true heritage. We're, we're talking about R plus L equals J here, folks. If you yes. don't know what it is, go ahead and Google it real quick. Yeah, uh, it won't take long. Uh, the theory is basically that Jon Snow is not the bastard of Eddard Stark, but he is the son and possibly legitimate son of Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen. The Mad King himself. No, no the, son, the, the oldest son, son of the yes, Mad King. The, the oldest yeah, son the oldest son of the Mad King, uh, who was killed by Robert Baratheon. So that from the get-go... There may possibly be an allusion to a long-standing fan theory. Um, yeah, they've been talking about that since season one. Yeah, well, they've been talking about that since book one. Well, yeah, yeah, and that was almost twenty years ago at that point. At this point, it was twenty years. Twenty ago years ago at this point, John has been dead in the books for what four and a half years now. He's been dead in the books since the most recent book, which you know has been so long ago that no one can remember. Well, that came out right at the beginning of season one. If I if I remember correctly, uh, so yeah, we start off with that, and then we see Davos, and you know, we hear ghosts howling. Of course, you know the the Starks have their dire wolves that are somehow psychically connected to them, and he's howling, and and Davos comes in, and you know, freaks out. It's like, oh shit, another one's dead. You know, what what's he gonna do? How many fucking Starks <laughs> are we gonna lose here? <laughs> another interesting thing about being psychically linked. Uh, the other thing that I think you can sort of, if you want to put on the tinfoil hat of the blood next to Jon Snow being symbolic of something, north of the wall where Bran is, even though we haven't seen Bran for a season now, he's Ooh. supposed to be back next week. But the old three-eyed crow in the Weirwood chair is an old, very old, as in Maester Aemon old, Targaryen bastard named Bloodraven. Actually, older than Maester Eamon. Yes, a bit. Yes. Yeah, about, um, about 30 years older, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Um, but Bloodraven was his nickname. I can't remember. Brendan. Brendan Br- Rivers. Brendan Rivers is the actual name. He's called Bloodraven because he had a blood-colored birthmark on the left side of his neck and upper torso shaped like a raven. And so you've got the blood that looks vaguely like wings, if you interpret it a different way, on John's left, John's corpse's left side. I'm speculating that the three-eyed crow possesses the corpse of John Snow. That would be interesting. I really don't know what to make of that. I, I have not thought about that. It seems a little. That seems a little too fan theory well, for me. I mean that that that's more. That would be more I, book theory. I did. You think? I did make a tinfoil hat. Uh, this this is true. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. That that is the the best. Uh, that's the best. I, I just had to throw that out there. I will. Well, I'll let I'll let you continue. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go I'm going to say um, in this season one of the. One of the fan theory or things I'm going to throw out is going to happen since Arya has been blinded, which honestly, I have actually enjoyed seeing more of the many-faced God and that whole sect and all that. Since Arya has been blinded, I will throw out there that she's going to pretty much give rise to some kind of war power. Well, 
the the thing about the Arya storyline is it is pretty much the only one left has not caught up to the end of the books yet. You know, we if you read the fifth book, it, maybe it's it's Arya in book book four and book five were originally supposed to be one huge book, and I can't remember if Arya is in book four or five, but whichever one it is, her story we know what's going to happen on down the line this season. Uh, and if you haven't read the books, but watched the show, I won't get into that. But it's yeah, it's going to be that's really me. interesting. I've read, I've watched the show, but I haven't. Well, I've read the first three, but I haven't read anything more than that. If Arya's story continues along the same vague lines, you're going to really enjoy it. Okay. It's going to be good. There, it, it, it's going to get stabby. I'll leave it there. Okay, uh, uh, a little more stabby than what happened with Marin Trant. Yeah. <laughs> God. You talk about a satisfying murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, nobody nobody murders motherfuckers in Westeros or Essos, for that matter, like Arya Stark does. Yeah, that was. She's got a great flair for the, the for the theatrical. That's uh, yeah. That, yeah, that, that, that that's... that was out there even by Game of Thrones standards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's up there with the Mountain in terms of stone cold killer. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, like, Arya Stark is a character created not by George R. R. Martin, but by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> she was the one in the back of the, uh, the Chevelle on Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> she was hiding under the floorboards. In, yeah, uh, she in was play. in the back with Needle, just, <laughs> I'm waiting for a motherfucker. <laughs> she was trained by Sam Jackson. <laughs> Oh. There's only one god of death, god damn it. <laughs> what do we say to the god of death? Not today, motherfucker. Not motherfucking today. <laughs> Hand me the wooden sword that says bad motherfucker. Which one is the many face god? Does he look like a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, back to the episode. <laughs> what episode? We're doing an episode? The episode? Where do these mics come from? We're having an episode, I think. <laughs> I have one of those daily. Hi, y'all. So, um, we pick up with, with the Onion Knight and the Night's Watch standing around John's body. Now, they're not there to guard. They're, they are there because they're going to make their last fucking stand. They're going to seek out retribution. And the best moment is when Dolores Ed goes, we're going to fight them until we're all dead. And Davos looks at him like, you know, you guys aren't the only ones to owe John your lives. Your lives. And the moment that it hits Ed, I laughed. I'm like, I cackled so hard. I had to pause the episode because it, I mean, you, you see Ed get hit by a literal ton of bricks. <laughs> and he goes, oh, fuck. The wildlings. Like, you, you don't even need to, to hear it from him. You see it on his face. Oh, fuck. The wildlings. They've got a goddamn giant. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You, and he just, he bolts out. You know? The, I loved the, we're leaving our fate in the hands of Dolores Ed Tollett. <laughs> that was a great moment. It, the the Dolores, that bit was the second funniest part of the episode. The funniest part of the episode, obviously. Being the Dothraki shenanigans. <laughs> I never thought I would find so much humor in the Dothraki. Oh my god, it was so good. But it was so good. Going back to the wall for just a moment, you know, seeing Melisandre walk in, who has been so engrossed in her faith that she sees nothing else, and to have lost Stannis, 
you know, who she had put so much faith in as the Lord of Light's chosen. And then to see uh, to see him die and to see him fail, you know, that shook her. Yeah. And then to see John laying dead, someone who she, whom she had seen in the flames fighting at Winterfell, to see that yeah. and to see how broken she was. I think that's, that is a tribute to Carice Van Houten's ability as an actress. You know, she just played that scene so brilliantly. And she's so gorgeous. She is a beautiful woman. <laughs> Yes. I think the other thing uh, that was probably in the back of Melisandre's mind at that point was one of my all-time favorite characters from the series, Thoros of Mir. Yes. The drunken, debaucherous red priest of R'hllor who was originally sent to King's Landing to convert Stannis Baratheon. Well, no, he was no. originally sent to convert the Mad King. Was it the Mad King, King or was it Robert that he was sent to convert? He was originally sent to convert the Mad King... The Mad King very promptly got killed, so he decided to initially try to convert Robert Baratheon, but then realized, you know what, screw this, I'm just going to get really, really drunk with the king and fight in melees with flaming swords (laughs) and have a lot of sex with a lot of prostitutes and do all of the things that, you know... I would probably do yes, were I, I a Red Priest of R'hllor. I was about to say, if there was ever a character in the Game of Thrones series, you, sir, are Thoros of Mir. <laughs> Last week I was told that I'm the living embodiment of uh, Tyrion Lannister, so I, I don't know if that's an upgrade <laughs> or a downgrade. No, I, you're too either tall. way, you love to drink, you love to fuck. The god of tits and wine. The god of tits and wine. Friends, does the high septum get miffed when you fiddle with your muff? Does the mere suggestion of two consenting adult men engaging in mutual pickle-kissing send the stranger into a genocidal rage? Are seven gods six too many? Is hearing, for the night is dark and full of terrors, getting on your last goddamn nerve? Well then, it's time to try the god of tits and wine. Yes, friends, the god of tits and wine is here for all your needs. Hungry? Need cream for your coffee? Grab a messianic memory and milk that holy teat. Perhaps you'll want to get blind drunk and do unspeakably debauched things with other consenting yet equally blind drunk adults. Just gaze upwards, bury your face in the glory of our Lord's non-gender crotch and drink of the sweet nectar of dawn. Yes, the god of tits and wine. So much better than those other gods. (laughs) I was really fond of the Tyrion Lannister quote from the trailer. It's what I do. I drink and I know things. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's, I mean, it's what I do. Yeah. When I, when I heard that, I'm like, "Eh, that's him. (laughs) (laughs) That, that's him. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Can I, can I register a little bit of a complaint? Okay. It's not a big complaint. No. It feels like season six hasn't actually started yet. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it it seemed like it was a it was the shortest release we've had, the shortest premiere we've had. Yeah, season. it was what 40, 43 40 minutes, forty eight minutes, I believe. The the previously on Game of Thrones segment was a solid five or six minutes, four or four, five minutes. Yeah, about four four and a half. And then yeah, it was we had considerably less than the full hour episode we're used to. Yeah, it it seemed like it spent its entire time just setting up between resolving things from the end of last season and setting up for the next it was all resolution and exposition yeah and but it was necessary i f- was. i feel like it was necessary and it may have been a little bit weak but it also gave uh gave some satisf- uh, some closure to certain storylines yeah. uh no no and raised more questions than it answered there there were some inconsistencies the one I'll briefly mention before, I know I know Pip you have one that is 
very much at the top of your mind. Yes. The one that bugged me is when Sansa and Theon have crossed the river and Ramsay's men and dogs track them down. Six men and two dogs. They kill five men and the last man and the dogs just poof, vanish in a puff of inconsistency. That that did Welcome bug me a little bit. Or they just ran because they see a six foot three woman carrying uh, uh, in full plate armor, carrying a Valyrian steel sword, just slice some motherfuckers like they're bread. I am loving how that sword just cuts other swords in half it's on a regular gorgeous. basis. It's yes. gorgeous. And Gwendolyn Christie. God, she's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I am so happy that she's on this show. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Though but, I, I did wish she had more screen time in uh, Star Wars. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get that. I, oh, yeah. I've got a big feeling that. But we'll, just speaking of, yeah, I've got a feeling we'll get that. Okay. Pod, Podrick Payne, sir. Pod the pimp. Pod the smasher. <laughs> in more ways than one, especially <laughs> in this episode, because he was cutting people yep. left and right. Oh yep. my god! Like I, I was really impressed. You know, last season we heard Brienne say. You know, we're going to work on your sword skills. And I'll be damned if they did not work on his sword yeah, skills. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, Theon, mm. you know, seeing Theon go from Reek to Theon again, that was nice. You know, or at as, least as, Theon is. He's coming back. Yeah. But I don't think he's, he's all the way back. Yeah. You know, well, he's always going to be a shadow of who he was. But I think, and, you know, as horrible uh, of a life he lived under Ramsey, uh, excuse yeah, Ramsey, uh, I, I feel like. It's for the better. You know, he was very reckless and very amoral. And now you have someone who's experienced pain and loss and someone who is a bit more, I would dare say, gentle uh, compared to who he was before Ramsey just completely wrecked his world. I still don't think he deserved that. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody yeah. deserved that. Ramsey. Ramsey deserves that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ramsey. Ramsey. Just every time you mention Ramsey, I just see the little clip of him with the sausage. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, Ramsey, for as terrible as he is, he's sickeningly likable. Yeah. In a weird, in a weird, way, like yeah. your inner psychopath goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one of the one of the funny things I found in the episode was kind of it had nothing to do really with the episode itself, but the contracts of people, and it was with the Dothraki and Amelia Clark and all that, where you see. You see the Stothraki go to rip her clothes off and then like halfway through remembers, oh shit, she can't do nudity on camera anymore. Okay, I'm done. Bye. What's that about? Yeah. She, she just decided she's not getting naked on Game of Thrones anymore? Because she has contracts. She's doing other things. Oh. And because of that, she changed her contract to where she wouldn't do nudity on camera anymore. Oh. And okay, you've done four seasons yeah you might as well finish because like they flat out said after season six they only have 13 episodes worth of material left. well i mean you've also got to think about how she's going to handle her career after this show you know if she decides not to do nudity that's i'm mean, I, I support it you yeah know, she's, i mean I'm that's fine i just i don't understand it from a standpoint of you've been doing it this long what does it matter now well it, it matters. It matters because she has other contracts. Uh, I mean, I can... and Hollywood is fickled like that. Once you make a contract about not doing certain things in certain certain other media, you know, you you kind of have to safeguard your career. Well, and I mean, that's fine. I mean, I can't blame her for wanting to do that. I can't blame her for wanting to make sure that she has something after the end of Game of Thrones. Right. No, I, I'm, but uh... 
On the bright side, I still have seasons one through four to enjoy. And I'll, I'll she say... She is a beautiful woman. I don't care. I will say this about nudity. It's unfair that there is so little penis. This is true. You know. This is true. Uh, especially when you consider the final scene of season six, episode one. If showing a naked 90 year old woman is okay it's really okay to show a cock every once in a while yeah and i think the only ones we've seen were olivar and uh well that one guy on cersei's walk of shame hodor and theon there was a scene in season one where he and Roz were together and Mm. he backs away and you see him completely naked oh i'd forgotten about that yeah but you know there there is uh, a lack of male nudity and uh the scene directly after uh, Sansa and Theon get out of the river. Sansa is shivering. She's cold, of course. You know, it's it's winter in the north. Yet somehow instantly dry. I know, I know. The magic of television and all that horseshit. But, you know, she's shivering and so is Theon. And she's trying to get warm. And Theon brings her in. And Sansa has this look on her face where she's finally in the arms of someone she can trust. Even though this is a person who has betrayed their family and has arguably cost them so much more than just their lives you know she cost she he cost her her home right. he took over winterfell but there she, there she is in his arms and you see this look of relief on her face because this is the first time in years where she's been held by somebody and shown affection right you know that was a tender moment that i i'm not even lying i got misty-eyed seeing that for her Considering how much shit she's been through throughout this series, you know, yeah. it was it was a good moment, and it was a moment that you realize Theon is earning his redemption, you know, in his devotion to helping Sansa escape Ramsay. Well, that and she's come a long way from being that bratty little. Yes, she snot was from the first. From she the first was season. a brat in the first season. I did a full series rewatch on the road to season six, and. You know, this is uh, a tribute to her character, uh, her ability as an actress, um, Sophie Turner, that is, to see her transition. And she was, what, 13 years old when she started the series? Something like that. Yeah, Something maybe like that. a little so older, was, but not much. She was young. Yeah, she's 18, 19 now, and she's displaying that much maturity uh, and that much range and that much growth, taking this character from that road to here. And honestly, I think that will... Speaking of something we talked about earlier, her role in Apocalypse, I think that will portray beautifully in Apocalypse. I'm, I'm and looking forward to how seeing much her. she's grown in Game of Thrones. I'm looking forward to seeing her as Jean Grey. I, I, I have no problem with her casting as Jean Grey. Um, but yeah, you know, we talked about the scene briefly with uh, Brienne and Pod uh, coming to her rescue, and at the end, Brienne kneels and places the sword that was forged from her father's sword, her family sword, right. placing it at her feet and swearing fealty to her and Sansa accepting that. I am not ashamed to say that I actually cried. What I, happened to Joffrey's sword? Was it buried with him? No, it is in the armory. Okay. It, it was not buried. I mean, you're, you don't bury a Valyrian sword with folks. You, you, you give him heart eater or some other horseshit sword that he was given by his grandfather. You know, you you keep the Valyrian steel sword in the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I would love to see ice put back together, but I don't think it's going to happen. Nah. I don't think they're going to get any pieces of the Valyrian steel sword back anytime soon. Well, I'm, so, I mean, Bran, I, I don't know that anybody of, other than, well, Jamie and Cersei Lannister 
might be the only people alive other than the armorer who did the work that know that that sword was originally half of ice. I think Brienne mentioned something about it. I know Brienne knows. She does. She does know. Jamie okay. uh, Jamie said something about it to her when he sent her off to find the Stark girls. He said that this was forged from Ned Stark's sword. I think you should have it and continue your quest. Okay. But yeah, that that happened. And uh then that takes us to where Bravos I believe Bravos was next and we pick up with Arya's story where she's blinded and humbled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she got iron shaped. She got made humble. Yeah. <laughs> Minus and, the camel clutch. And just, just I mean, you know, Arya's scene was, you know, she had, what, about five minutes and it was just her begging. And then it was yeah. the... Uh, the waif coming through and beating the shit out of her with a stick. Yeah, what... what um, That scene reminded me of something from some other movie or series. And I'm trying to... I've been trying to think of what it is and I, it won't come to me. Pai Mei and the Bride and... And, uh, yes. Kill Bill. Yes, that's exactly what yeah. it reminds me of. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all I was thinking of through that, during that whole scene. The only thing that was missing was the waif, you know, running her hand through her beard and speaking Chinese. I will say, I, I kind of feel like that's, you know, like the a bit more training from... I'm trying to think of how to phrase them. Just like the cult of the many face or... The, the faceless men. The yeah, faceless they're just men, the yeah. faceless men. Okay. Um, more training from... Uh, the faceless man in Jakar, even though I know Jakar is not his real name. Jack Lagar. Jakar is Babylon 5. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I was mixing both the names, but I just kind of feel like that's more training from yeah. them to try to spur her along. And now comes Dorn. The what oh? the hell? Uh, you've been raging about this the whole time, so please go right ahead. Okay, so uh, where to begin? At the beginning. At the beginning. When a man and a woman love each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> so we we start off in Dorne with Illyria Sand walking with Doran Martell in the water gardens. Another walk in the betrayal garden. Can't believe they did that again after they said they would stop doing a walk through the betrayal garden after that episode of South Park. They've been watching a whole bunch of uh, Aaron Sorkin series. <laughs> there, I think there are more walk-in talks in Game of Thrones now than there were in the West Wing. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's nuts. So yeah, granted, in the West Wing, walk-in talks never ended with cold-blooded murder. They should have. No, no, no. No, you do not kill Martin Sheen. No. Doesn't have to be Martin Sheen. They got interns. <laughs> we're going to need another Timmy. We, we need to move on. Otherwise, we're going to spend the next 15 minutes talking about the West Wing. Um, no, let, let Pip talk about his loophole that yes. he's been raging Okay, about. so. It's not the poop hole. It is not the poop hole loophole. Uh, so, Doran is handed uh, a letter by a maester who was in a tan robe. I was not expecting that. Maesters usually wear black. This is a maester in a tan robe. I guess it's because he's in Dorne. I'm not sure. Whatever. No, like, no. I'm on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> this is my summer robe. Yeah, this is a summer robe. If you're, you're where it's still warm during the winter, you'll wear a summer robe. It's probably hot down there. You don't want to yeah. get maester swamp ass going on. Yeah, you know, a little linen and khaki. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it looked like it had breathing room. So yeah, he's handed this letter and he reads it and says, Marcella is dead. Oh, shit. Ario Hota is stabbed in the back. That's the one thing that I was unhappy with. I mean, you've got Chekhov's big black man with a pole arm. I mean, 
you expect him to do something amazing. Fans of the books have said for years that Arya Hota is on par with Barristan Selmy. You don't see him swing it. He just gets stabbed in the back and he falls down dead. It's like, what the hell? You expected him to put up more of a fight. Yeah, I mean, he got stabbed right in the spine. There's Has, not much fight well, you can I do mean, after just that. <laughs> to, in his death period, just you, you I would, didn't expect a... All right, you're dead. Has yeah. anyone been punked out that badly in the history of the series? To my knowledge, no. Some people will argue that Barristan Selmy got punked out, but the motherfucker took out 14 guys in under two minutes. Yeah, he at least went down swinging. Yeah, I wish they, they had done that for Ario Hota. But, you know, considering he was stabbed in the back... You, you can't really go down swinging. That's unfortunate. It would have been great to see him actually fight some. And then Illyria stabs Dr. Bashir in the chest. So we finally get some closure on the character, Dr. Bashir from Star Trek DS9. He gets stabbed on another planet. He's uh, such a good actor. He, it's such a is. shame that he had like Alexander three scenes ever. Alexander Sitting is such a phenomenal a phenomenal actor. Uh, and one of my favorites I've I've ever seen him in was uh, Kingdom of Heaven. He was fantastic in that. So yeah, we we see him get stabbed. Now here's where it gets interesting. You know, Illyria tells him that no weak man will rule Dorne ever. Okay, your son is going to die. And Tristan gets stabbed in the back of the head by one of the Sand Snakes on the ship which had been docked in King's Landing. How the hell did they get there? Well, HBO released, either today or yesterday, a bunch of props from the show, and one of the props that they showed was the letter from Jamie Lannister, explaining that Marcella had died, and that while Jamie did not blame him, he did suspect Illyria was involved, and that Tristane was still alive, and that he was going to be sending him back on the same ship to Dorne. Now, a lot of people have a problem with the fact that the Sand Snakes all of a sudden show up on the ship in King's Landing, so far away from Dorne, after watching the ship leave in the last episode. How did they get there? Well, here is my biggest gripe with the series. It is the lack of passage of time. They they do not show passage of time very well. Well, I think part of the reason for that is George R. R. Martin is on record as saying that the passage of time in the books is fuzzy, and you don't necessarily know exactly what events take place before or after others, particularly over distance. And, you know, Martin did that intentionally, I believe, because when you read, you know, when you read old, old texts uh, based on the histories of Europe, there's not really a good uh, gauge of the passage of time. One person's in one place and they die and the other person's in another place. But there's, there's no six months later they traveled to this place. But how do the snakes get there? How sand snakes get to that ship? It well, could have been a faster boat. It was a, uh, what I believe is it was a faster boat. It was indeed a faster boat that they took very shortly after the ship left for King's Landing. It had to have been at least, uh, Tristane had to have been in King's Landing for at least a day, maybe less than that. How did they get on the boat? Well, they took a fa- faster ship hopped on during the night they've already got the guards in their pocket they just stowed away in the bottom of the ship popped out at the most opportune moment and stabbed the dude in the back of the head so that that kind of dispels the the whole loophole uh that fans are saying uh were created by D. you heard it here for her first folks the show is not fucking up as badly as you think yeah but dorn 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 what the fuck you know, it, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to watch. And it's the entire Dornish storyline is so far away from the books that I'm pretty clueless. Yeah. Yeah, the the heir, uh, anybody who in the books could presumably be the heir 
is just not in the series. Yes. We don't have Ariane Martel. We don't have Quentin Martel. Well, did they say that she doesn't exist specifically? She or? just hasn't been in the show when there have been plenty of opportunities where she would have been useful to have in the show. Okay. Well, I don't think anyone has been cast as Ariane Martel this I, season. I haven't heard anything about it either. So we, we've got that to deal with. All right. Well, let, let's move on past, uh, past Dorn. Uh, we've talked about Daenerys and the Dothraki. We've talked about the events at the wall. We've talked about, um, we haven't completely covered Daenerys and the Dothraki. The best moment of the entire episode, at least to me, uh, the one that made me laugh even harder than the Dolores Ed moment. Yeah, the, the, the hilarious exchange on the Dothraki Sea. Oh my god. So Daenerys has been captured by the Dothraki. Uh, and of course, uh, her ring was found in a b- big field where the Dothraki had made a perfect circle around one spot of grass Daenerys had taken her ring off and it was it was found by Ser Jorah. So as she's on the road to wherever they're leading her. So on the road she is being accosted verbally by two Dothraki men who are acting like total bros at this point uh making uh so many lewd remarks about uh, Targaryen pubic hair, which raises a question: Is Targaryen pubic hair as white as the top? Does the carpet match the drapes? No, it matches her fucking eyebrows. <laughs> that <laughs> shit's always pissed me off. Dude, Why are her eyebrows a different color? Dude, Daenerys' eyebrows are on fucking point. What are you talking they about? Are she does have strong eyebrow game. But why are they the wrong color? Don't know. Like, they can't dye eyebrows these days? Well, it, it could be argued that through the Targaryen lineage, uh, they had mixed with people who had darker hair. So it could be that heritage showing through. Show that- me any person <laughs> on the face of this planet that has blonde hair and black eyebrows. Anybody that dyes their hair. Well, great. <laughs> great, but... but- it's, genetic, it, naturally occurring genetics. I, I don't know if it's possible. Could be, could not be. I don't know anything about Maybe genetics. Maybe it's just because she's fucking magic. She's fucking magic. I mean, she gave birth to fucking... Well, she didn't give birth, but, you know, dragons. Can we find fucking out dragons. How, how unimaginative she is? It's like, oh, there's a giant dragon. What are we going to name it? Drogon. Thanks. Well, well, I mean, that was a reference to uh, to Carl Drogo. Carl. Carl Drogo? Wow. Carl. Carl Drogo. Carl Drogo is his drunken disappointment brother. <laughs> that and there was a centuries-long history of Targaryen dragon naming convention at that point. Yeah. But it's like, oh, dragon, Drogon. Well, good Dragon, a fucking enough. Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal. Yeah, Rhaegel. which was named after her brother and uh, her know. unborn son. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, they, they're talking about Daenerys's pubic hair, which, you know, it was it was mildly disgusting, mildly humorous at the same time, because, you know, if you have a dark sense of humor, that shit's funny. Uh, they bring her to call, uh, call Morocco? Was it Morocco? I cannot remember his name. Uh, I'm bad with Moco, names. Morocco, so. Mo- something yeah, like Moco, that. something like that. Uh, they bring him to her, and he says... Uh, something to the effect, the best thing in the world is to see a woman naked for the first time. <laughs> and that leads into one of the funniest exchanges in the show <laughs> between his two blood riders who are saying, well, you know, killing another call. That's that's pretty good. And breaking in a horse for the first time. It is at least one of the, the top, top five <laughs> greatest things in life. I mean, 
you don't expect that that to happen. That absolutely slayed me. It completely killed me. It yeah, was I was I was broken for a good couple of minutes after that. I, was <laughs> I had fr- to pause it. I was afraid I woke up my daughter after <laughs> after that scene uh, because I was laughing so hard. But you know, Daenerys standing tall, standing firm, and then speaking Dothraki, and all of them were like, "Oh fuck!" She heard every word we said. Oh. Should I be slightly shamed? And you actually see that for just a moment. Like, I should be ashamed of what I just said for some reason. You know, and there she is. You, 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 you've you, seen her her progress throughout the series. She was very meek in the first episode. And she's found that strength. And she's led cities. And she's freed slaves. You know, she's she's birthed dragons, though not physically. You know, she's lost people she's loved. You know, she's had to kill people and banish people. And, you know, she's lived life. So she's very strong, very fierce. They laugh at her. And then as he's about to take her, she says, I was the wife of Khal Drogo. And the apology happens. And then, you know, she says something to the effect of, I'll give you a thousand horses as thanks for my safe passage back to the Marine. To Marine. And they say, no, we'll take you to the one place that all Khaleesi's go to when their call dies. And that is Vyas Dothrak. Which is, it's going to be fun because it was, there was the shot in the trailer of the shadow of the dragon flying over. That's going to be amazing. I can't wait for the moment where Daenerys mounts the dragon. and The stallion that mounts the world. The stallion that mounts the world. She mounts the dragon and everyone goes, oh shit, that ain't a horse. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody goes, oh shit, it just ate my horse. (laughs) That could kill us all. It probably will, in fact. Well, I mean, not literally every Dothraki, but, you know, a significant portion of them. Yeah. So we go get back to the wall, and we find we find Melisandre. She's broken. She's Her faith has waned. She is taking off her necklace. And, of course, this necklace is magical and all that. Now she's ugly. <laughs> she takes it off. And she's taken it off in the series before. This is another loophole that people are complaining about, that she's taken off the, the, the necklace and she has transformed into her true form. We already know that she's old. There are times in the series where she's mentioned that. They've always alluded to the fact that she is much older than she appears. Uh, There's a scene with Stannis where he says, and how many battles have you fought, Lady Melisandre? And she says something to the effect of, I've been fighting this war longer than you've been around. And we see that. We see that she is very old. So the the problem that a lot of people have with this is there was a scene in season three, I believe, season three or season four, where Melisandre is in a bathtub. She does not have the necklace on. The glamour is still there. She's still young. She's still beautiful. And uh, Celise walks in, uh, Stannis Baratheon's wife. And she says, do you mind handing me that vial? And she points to one on the shelf. And Celise goes for a clear vial. And Melisandre says, no, not that one. You don't even want to touch that one. So the scene where Melisandre reveals herself in her true form, sees herself in the true, her true form for probably the first time in a century, I'm going to estimate, uh, we see a close-up of a clear vial, and then it pans up to the mirror. My, and this is speculation, but my estimate, uh, my speculation is that she took whatever was in that vial to de-glamour herself, to see herself in her true form for the first time in however long it's been. And you see this very old, very weak, very weary woman, and it's it's heartbreaking, honestly. Like yeah. my my heart uh, my heart sank when I saw that happen. Well, everyone, thank you for listening this week, and uh, 
join us again next week. And we're, next week, and we're, next week, and next week. Yeah, we're way Never over, stop listening. We're way over time this week. So uh, thank you for listening to what's probably an extra long podcast this week. We Bye. love you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's show. The Nerd Vernacular is an Every Geek Media production. Visit nerdvernacular.com where you can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Adult Friend Finder, LinkedIn, and all those other social media platforms. Please rate us on iTunes and like us on SoundCloud. And tune in next week when you hear Pip say, I'll have one art, please. <laughs>